You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Centers, Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to use this as our foundation scripture for today. 1 Peter 1, 3. And then we'll be praying for anybody who would like prayer at the end of service. Amen. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Father, I thank you that faith is the substance of things hoped for. I thank you that, that, that we have a living hope. And we thank you, Father, that, that it is in the anointed one, Jesus, the Christ, that our hope is assured that it rests upon. And today, as we open your word, Holy Spirit, I ask that you help us stay true to sound doctrine, bring rhema, revelation knowledge to the body, that we would grow thereby, and that you would gain all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to say thank you to Eric and Amber. We have made some major changes back in the sound and video and overhead department with upgrades and changes in software and additions and new cameras and controllers, and they are doing an awesome job keeping things operational back there. So if for some reason a scripture doesn't get to that screen, the minute I mention it, they're working hard to get that process all figured out back there. Amen? Amen. Now concerning the spiritual. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's talking to them about spiritual things. And I want to read this paraphrased version that, that I have here. And it says, Now concerning things related to the kingdom of God. I desire that you be well informed. You realize that once you were without God, carried away by lusts for things that you had been taught. That's the paraphrase of this. Why did I, I write this? Because I, I look at Scripture and it just I, I try to make it understandable for today. I try to make it understandable in my language. I... I appreciate the King James. I know historically how it came about being, but I am not a these and thou speaker. I don't pray in these and thous. I don't speak in these and thous. So I try to find things that are practical. Paul writes, now concerning the spiritual. Now, I know most of your translations say spiritual gifts, but the word gifts is in italics, and the reason it's in italics is because it's not part of the original text. Paul was talking about things related to the kingdom of God. And he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know how you were Gentiles, which means people without God. You were Gentiles once, carried away unto dumb idols. An idol is anything that you put before God. An idol can be anything. It can be a person. An idol can be an event. On Sunday, during football season, there's many people down worshiping their idols. Idols can be anything that separates you from the truth of God. For some people, it's things. It's bigger, better. Got a four-car garage, and we're still adding on, as Waylon Jennings used to sing. 
But he was right. Maybe it's time we get back to the basics or back to the Bible. Because we have to understand that when we became born again, the Spirit of God through Jesus Christ transformed us into a new kingdom, into a new dynamic. We should no longer desire to be ignorant. We should no longer just be glad with just getting by. No longer should we be happy that the priest knows and the pastor knows and the prophet and evangelist, they know. And they'll just, they'll just tell me when I need to know something. See, when I was in the Catholic Church, that's how it was. We had a big old Bible that we could put on the table. And then the priest would tell us what we believed and when we were to believe it. But we need to know, and as born-again, spirit-filled believers, we need to know how the kingdom operates. Because you were designed to operate in a different kingdom. You were not designed to operate according to this world's system, to this world's kingdom. So here's some basic kingdom truths for the born-again believer. You are spiritually whole, righteous, and sanctified. You are not going to be. You are. You have the full measure of faith, God's faith. We were all given the same measure of God's faith. doesn't matter whether you're a pastor. doesn't matter whether you're a salesperson, a teacher, or a student. We all got the same measure of God's faith when we got born again. You are financially prosperous or rich. You have been given all of the wealth of heaven. Now, in this lifetime, you are healed and you have divine health. You have it today. It's not something that you're trying to get. It's not a state of being or something to achieve. You are healed and walk in divine health. See, the key is believers. Those who believe. There are a lot of Christians who don't believe. A lot of Christians that don't believe anything. Or maybe they believe everything. You know, I mean, there's you know, a little wishing here, a little voodoo there, a little karma there. There are a lot of Christians that that's the lives they live. But see, for believers, those who believe this word, those who believe the word of God, those who believe the work of the Holy Spirit, those who believe in, in what Jesus did, those who believe in the plan of God, it's for them. Jesus said, only believe. In fact, as he said it many times, Here's some references if you're a note taker, and you should be. Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Mark eleven twenty four, 24. Luke 8, 50. And John eleven forty. 40. Let me just read Luke 8, 50 here real quick. Amber, I know I didn't give it to you back there, so uh, I'll just read it. Luke 8, 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered them saying, Do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus knew fear was the opposite of faith. Only 
believe, and she shall be made well. See, if you only believe, that's the key. You are spiritually full. You are righteous. You are sanctified. You are set apart. You have the full measure of faith. You are prosperous. You are healed. You are healthy. If you only believe. See, none of these truths are something the born-again believer should be trying to obtain. Shouldn't be something that they're waiting on. It shouldn't be something that they're living without. I know Christians go from, from healing meeting to Holy Ghost anointed meeting to healing meeting to prayer meeting trying to get, trying to get healed, trying to, to get spiritually sanctified, trying to become holy, trying to have a more deep spiritual life. The problem is they're looking in all the wrong places. I think there was a country song that said something about that, too. They're looking in all the wrong places. Let me read this, this parable, tell you this parable. Uh, I actually wrote it out so I wouldn't miss a whole lot of it. What I'm talking about is like this person who gets up every morning and walks to their job. They do it day after day. They say, and they keep on saying, someday I'm going to buy a bike or I'm going to get a car so I don't have to walk to work anymore. And I could just imagine this person looking through the Sears and Roebuck catalog, right? Or today's Sears and Roebuck catalog, Amazon. And looking at the, at the bikes, going out on Auto Trader and looking at all the different cars and seeing what might be available, but every day walking to work. And every day as they walk to work, people are riding by on these nice bikes, driving by in these nice cars. Every day, they keep walking, faithful and determined. Doesn't matter whether it's raining outside, doesn't matter if the wind's blowing, doesn't matter if the heat's pounding. Every day, faithful to get up, walk to work, walk home from work. Each time the person gets close to being able to afford to buy transportation, something financially comes up. Expenses escalating, bike prices and car prices rising each month. But year after year, after year, after year, they keep working and they keep walking, striving to achieve that which seems just out of reach. They keep trying. Then one day they reach that age of retirement, and the company throws them a big party. And at the company party, they give them a watch and just thank them for their great service. And at the end of, of the, the party, to their, their surprise, the boss comes up to them and asks them to please return to them the company car. 
Astonished, they blurt out, what car? They say, hey, look, I've been walking to work each day for 40 years. What are you talking about? And the boss says, it's right here in the employee manual, under your benefits. It says, here is the company motor pool's delivery receipt of a new vehicle. The first one was delivered 40 years ago. The notes say that for, for safety reason, they parked it in that detached garage behind your, behind your house. In back of the house, they left the keys in the ignition. And every two years, the motor pool swapped out a new one with the old one. We wanted to make sure you always had the best transportation while you worked for us. We never wanted you to be late. See, it's like this. For 40 years, they had something and had everything that they needed. For 40 years, they had the answer to their prayer. For 40 years, the thing that they wanted, needed, and could use the most was already theirs. And the only day they got to experience it was the day that they took it back. And so is the kingdom of God. For many Christians, the only day that they get to experience the fullness of God's benefits is the day that they go back home. What a reunion when God, when they sit there and go, God, for 40 years I was believing you for a car, and God says, I gave you everything you needed for life and godliness. All you needed to do was read the employee manual. And you would have had everything that you needed. See, why is it? Because you are. Say, I am. Yeah, you are. You're not going to be. You're not going to get. You are. You have. You are spiritually whole and righteous. You are sanctified. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Everything in your life, when you received Jesus Christ, became new. You entered into a new kingdom. Now concerning the spiritual, see, you, you need, we need to understand it because now we have a different kingdom dynamic at work. In 1 Corinthians 6.11, it says, But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. See, you were. It doesn't matter how many calluses you develop on your knees in prayer, you're not going to get more righteous than you were the day that you received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Prayer is not trying to obtain. What I'm just such a wretched thing. I'm just so lowly. I just... I know I just don't measure up in God's eyes. I'm just a worm. Well, if that's what you think about yourself, you need to get saved. Because obviously you aren't. Because if you're saved, you are righteous. You have been justified just as if you had never sinned. 
You are righteous. You have the right now to stand in the presence of God. Holy. You have the full measure of faith, God's faith. Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3 from the King James Version, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. See, God has given it to you. God has given you the only thing he can give to you. His. God couldn't give you some other kind of faith. He doesn't have any other kind of faith. He only has the God kind of faith. He only has the yoke-destroying, burden-lifting kind of faith there is. You are financially prosperous, rich. You say, well, pastor, you ain't see my checkbook. See, you got, you got your eyes on the wrong book. You got your eyes on the wrong book. We're not supposed to be walking by sight. We're supposed to be walking by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the title deed to the thing not yet seen. You're financially prosperous and rich. Isaiah 45, 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that you may know <laughs> that I, the Lord who called you by name, am the God of Israel. See, God's invested in your finances. God's invested in your financial future. God is invested in your wealth creation. Because the creation of wealth for you declares His glory and ability. And yet for years, I'll say even for centuries, the church has denounced wealth, thinking it evil. But it says that he's the one that gives it to us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from our Father of lights, for whom there is no shadow of turning. He doesn't change. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he was rich, and this word means that he had a lot of dough. I mean, think about it. He had all of the resources of heaven. He was rich. Yet for your sake, he became poor. He took on the form of a baby. I mean, how much did you own when you came out the womb? He was born to a humble carpenter. Mary was about 14 years old is what history records. Jesus came, he gave up all the riches of heaven to come here so that through his giving it all up, you would learn to receive it all, that through his poverty you might become rich. That word rich in the Greek means wealth. That means that you become wealthy. God doesn't want you wealthy so that you can go out and enjoy your lusts of life. He has a kingdom to build. And in our day and age, it costs money to be on television. It costs money for cameras. It costs money for websites. It costs money to replace floors and parking lots and to put up signs. It costs money to go on mission trips and to keep missionaries fed and to keep them housed. 
takes money to keep Christian television on the air. It takes, it takes this wealth. And since you are God's hands extended, we need it to be in your pockets. We need it to be in your checkbooks. Well, God intended it to be. That's where he intended for those resources to be. You are financially prosperous. So stop looking at your checkbook and start looking at your faith. Start looking at what God would provide. You know, in Matthew 6, it talks about seeking first the kingdom of God. The Bible also says that he will grant unto us according to, the, to his riches. Well, you know what? I like grants because you don't have to pay grants back. I mean, grants are good. You know, loans, you got to pay them back, and typically you got to pay them back with interest. That's why God said in Romans 13, 8, keep out of debt. Owe no man anything. I sure like believing for resources better than being in bondage for resources. Amen? God intended us to be rich now. You are healed and have divine health. Well, I sure don't feel like it, Pastor. There you go with your feelings again. The Bible didn't say you have divine health unless you don't feel good. He didn't say, I am the Lord that healeth thee unless thou art sick. No. He said he takes sickness away from the midst of us. In Luke 9, 1, Jesus called his disciples, his 12 disciples, and gave them power and gave them authority over the works of the enemy, over demons. But what else did he do? He gave them authority also to cure diseases. Any disciples of Christ in here? Well, you've got the authority to cure diseases. And yet, why is it that when we used to go from church to church doing healing crusades, the altar would just be packed with people who were trying to get healed? They're the ones that are supposed to be laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. This really, this really should be a sign to the unbeliever. Because see, most of the body of Christ has lost the vision or never been taught that they're already healed. God has given them everything they need for health. If you only believe. If you only believe. 1 Peter 2.24. can also reference this in Isaiah 53.5. For he himself in his body bore our sins upon the cross. That we having died to sin might live to righteousness by whose stripes... We were healed. If you were, you are. If I was given something, that means I already have it. It's already been given to me. It's like our person who was going to work. They already had it. It was given to them. They were endowed with a car. But because they refused to read the manual, Jesus said, the words that I speak are life. He says, if you hear my word and do it, 
See, that's what he did. He heard the Father's word, and he did it. He said, the works that I do are just what God tells me to do. He says, this is pretty simple, folks. Hear it and do it. If we only believe. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if we're lacking faith in an area, we need to hear more. We need to hear more about God's word. We need to get it on the inside of us. His word have I hid in my heart. That's what David said. His word have I hid in my heart so I would not sin against God. I want to hide God's word in my heart so when the circumstances come at me, my response is with the word. No, you have no right, devil. No pain, you have no right to dwell in my body. Now concerning the spiritual, your life, my life are subject to kingdom principles. In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray. That word there literally means I request, I desire, I petition, and I ask. The apostle John, the apostle love says, look, I, I, I desire nothing more because I understand what Jesus desired. Remember, he's, he's the one in whom the Lord loved. And how do you know that? Because John wrote it right in his own book. He's the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest. He understood the heartbeat of Jesus. And he says, I desire, just like God desires, I desire, I pray, I long for, I petition that you would prosper and that you, in all things, that you would have prosperity in all things, no matter what it is, and that you would be in health just as you prosper spiritually. See, he had a revelation. He had an understanding. And I think he understood something pretty good about relationship with God. They couldn't kill the man. They tried to kill the man. They boiled him in oil, pulled him up out of the boiling oil, and he walks away. They got so tired of him, they had to exile him to the island of Patmos, where nobody could get to him, where he would be off by him, himself, because he was irritating everybody. So they couldn't kill him. They couldn't stop him from preaching the Word of God, they couldn't stop him from testifying about Jesus. They couldn't stop him from healing people because he understood something. He understood what God's heart and God's desire was. That is that we prosper in all things, that we experience that prosperity now, living according to God's kingdom principles. Amen? It's time to stop looking at things just through our natural eyes, through our natural lens. We need to start seeing things through our spiritual faith vision. See, there are, there are truths. There are things more real than the things that we see. You know, I hearken back to October 20th, 2003. For most of you, it's a day you probably don't even remember. It was a Monday. Where I was living at the time in this little town called Oakville, Washington, it was the day when we probably had the, the hardest rains that started over that weekend, and it was just pouring down rain, and 
being out in farm country, one of the things that would happen in the heavy rain season is all of the, um, the drainage ditches would fill up. And these drainage ditches are pretty deep. Some of them are, you know, 10 plus feet deep. They, they dig them off the side of the highways and at the end of the field. So when the water runs off the field, it doesn't just flood the roads. And so the rain, is, it's raining, it's, it, it's kind of, it's just what, a nasty day. I don't like rain anyways. It's just a nasty day. And so I'm running a little bit late to the office, and, and the kids, you know, it's raining, and our driveway is like four-tenths of a mile long. I mean, it was interesting. Everybody knows Aaron, right? So Aaron joins music class. I think this was in junior high. And he decides he wants to play the tuba. All right? That quickly changed the first day he had to carry that tuba four-tenths of a mile up the driveway to where our house sat. He still played, uh, you know, the, the baritone, which is a fairly large but much lighter instrument. So instead of making the kids walk this four-tenths of a mile long driveway to go catch the bus at the, the end of the driveway... Uh, I put them in the church minivan and was going to drive them to school, and then I'd go off to the office afterwards. It's kind of in my own little world. You ever get in your own little world, and, and there's times when you should be listening to the Holy Spirit, and you're just in your own little world? You know, I thought, well, I'm late to the office. I've got the office. I'm going to have to do all this stuff when I get in. I'm going to go ahead and take the kids to school. We're running late already anyways. And so I took a different route than I normally would, would go into the office. I drove into town, and I dropped them off at, uh, dropped the three kids off at the school and, and then headed out on the highway and started heading to the office. Just in a downpour. It's raining, you know, cats and dogs. I mean, it is, it's coming down. And as I'm driving down the road, off in the distance, I see oncoming cars. There's a vehicle that's going to turn, you know, and you kind of notice those things because you don't want to, you don't want to have a collision with them. And, and I noticed that he's slowing down to turn, and I'm watching, you know, I see, you know, the train off here and all this stuff. And then as I'm coming up, this vehicle, this truck that was slowing down to turn decides to go past this little road, blockhouse road, go, go right past it. Well, right behind him was bearing down a semi-truck with the double trailers on the back of it, and the semi-truck had come up on, 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 on you know, the, the, the tractor had come up on this little truck too fast, and the guy obviously looked in his mirror and saw, you know, the, the image in his, you know, rearview mirror getting bigger and bigger and bigger and decided, hey, I ain't staying here and turning. I'm, I'm going. This guy, you know, it's wet. He's going to have a hard time stopping. And sure enough, the semi-truck driver hit the brakes, Jackknifed, took his truck across the entire road. Well, I'm going, what, 55, 60 miles an hour on the highway. I'm driving this little minivan. Thank God nobody was in this minivan with me. Now, I did drive stock car for, for several years. You know, one of the things that they teach you when you're driving stock car is that, that momentum will clear an accident. So, for instance, if people are traveling at 100 miles an hour and they have a collision high on the track... It may be best, assuming they're not stuck on the wall, to go up high. I mean, there's all smoke because what happens is momentum that takes them into the wall, it shoots them down the bottom of the track. If you go low to avoid the wreck, you may be right in the middle of the wreck. So lightning fast, my mind says, semi, semi and trailer, I don't want to hit that. And so, you know, there isn't any ditches to go into because now there's swimming pools. 
They're completely full. You don't want to be in one of those. I had a friend who flipped his Camaro one time into one of those and almost died, couldn't get his seat loose, his seatbelt loose. And so I did what any stock car driver would do. I went to the point of the initial impact of the accident. I went into the, other, the opposing lane, and then I went out as far as I could, and I thought, I cleared this thing. And at the very last second, a second trailer went like this. There was nowhere to go. So I turned the right front corner of the minivan. It's also something that you learn about places of impact when you're stock car driving. There's certain places you don't want to hit. Head-on collisions are normally not very good because the passenger absorbs all the energy of the collision. And so I turned the right front corner of that minivan into that truck. And when I woke up, I saw somebody that I knew. And I said to him, I said, hey, Buck. Now, it was really easy to see him because there was no windshield on the van anymore. It was gone. Right corner of the minivan was plugged in. I was pretty pinned into the, into the vehicle. And I said, hey, Buck. Now, he was the, the, the fire chief for the volunteer fire department, and they had been dispatched. Fortunately, right behind the semi-truck were actually two off-duty paramedics, and they actually called in and were first on the scene. But first thing I remember seeing is Buck. People says, well, were you unconscious? I said, how would I know if I was unconscious? All I know is what I, well, I saw Buck, you know, and miraculously maybe he was teleported. I don't know. But I said, I said, hey, Buck. I said, how are you doing? I mean, that's a good thing to say, right, when you see somebody you know? And Buck says, I'm doing better than you are, but I'm glad to see you're alive. On this highway, we lost two kids from our youth group on two separate accidents on this same highway. One of my oldest son's best friend, uh, Leisha, she was part of our youth group, and she, her vehicle was hit by a log truck on this road. And then uh, uh, one, of our teenage, uh, one of my teenage baseball players, one of the kids from the youth group, was also on the baseball team. They were in a car together, and it turned out, and they turned right in front of a vehicle, and it hit the side of the car and killed Paul instantly. So I'd already lost two people in this, you know, this, this same area. And so Buck says, I'm glad to see that you're alive. I said, Buck, will you do me a favor? Call Tina. Let her know I'm all right. He says, I'll do that, and I'll let her know where to meet us. And so Buck got on the phone, and my wife can tell you the other part of the, of the story. She can probably tell you better this part of the story because she says I forget things and change things and whatever. But this is how I remember it, so this is what you get, okay? Uh, she's not here to correct me, so praise the Lord. Uh, it's, my, it's my story today. Um, it took him 40 minutes to cut me out of the minivan with the jaws of life. I had never experienced, I've had some pain in my life, I've never experienced the kind of pain that I experienced when they took me out of that van. I remember saying to Buck, while I'm sitting, you know, trapped in there, I said, look, give me something to bust, because the driver's side, you know, side window was still up. I said, give me something to bust this window out, and I'll crawl out of here. You know. Well, I, I, they hadn't moved me yet. I didn't realize how broken I was, you know. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. He says, we've gotten rid of this stuff. There's no risk of fire. Just stay put. But it took him 40 minutes for the fire department to cut me out. And when they got me on the gurney, I was in some kind of pain. They got me in, you know, they, whatever they call it, immobilize you or whatever, you know, strap you down. Got me in, into the, the ambulance and got me down 
to the hospital and put me in the emergency room. And what a blessing to have the emergency room doctor on who was there. He's the only doctor that they said that works in the emergency department that will let a family member come back. So my wife actually got there just a little bit before the ambulance did uh, because she says Buck told her, said, hey, wait 20 minutes and then go this way. Told her actually how to drive because he didn't want her driving by the accident to get to the hospital and meet us there. And so she got there just before us. This doctor allowed her back in the emergency room and the doctor told her that if they can't get my femur off of an artery that I probably only have about 20 minutes to live, they're going to try to, to sedate enough in order to do that. Now, the rest of the story, I really don't remember. My, I, this is my wife's retelling me of the story because they knocked me out with some kind of cow tranquilizer. I mean, this stuff. But she said, my wife said, but in the middle, when the doctor climbed up on top of the medical table and grabbed hold of my leg and pulled it, she said, I woke up. I don't remember this, but she said, I woke up screaming. So I'm glad I don't remember that. Uh, but she said, and the doctor was able then to get the femoral head off of the artery, and, uh, and they were able to get air rescue transport to take me to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle, which is about an hour and a half away. You know, and, and this part of the story is really a bummer, because they got me into the helicopter, strapped me all down, and I'm in this helicopter. I'd never been in a helicopter before. I'd never had a helicopter ride before. And I'm trying to convince the emergency technician, loosen the straps, I want to see out. I've always wanted to go for a helicopter ride. And they refused, all the way to Boeing Field, they refused to let me see where we were going. But the fact, the fact is that we all face challenges at some point in our life. And with all of that said, I would, I would not allow the surgeons, doctors, therapists, or anyone else to dissuade my faith. There is nothing you could have said to me when I was in Harborview Hospital or when I was home rehabilitating that would convince me that I was not healed. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are just temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that's what I held on to. That's what I held on to. That He is my healer. He is my provider, my protection. He is my, not only my front, but He's also my rear guard. I was no less healed at laying in that bed. No less healed than you are if you have a five-degree temperature, aches, bleeding, swollen, empty pockets, zero checkbook balance, etc. None of those things affect who you are or your state in life. None of them change one thing about the Word of God. If the Bible says that you are healed, you are healed. It's not a lie. It is the truth to believe what God's Word says. Well, your whole acetabulum is shattered into pieces. So God made one. He'll heal this one. They threw a titanium mesh plate in there. Told me I'd never walk right again, never be able to participate in sports again. I played semi-pro baseball until I was 33, and this was before the accident. So I, I enjoyed baseball. I played football and basketball. I was fairly athletic. 
They told me I'd never walk right again and never be able to participate in sports again. I ended up coaching high school varsity baseball. After the accident, got to the point where I could still throw curveballs and fastballs by some of the high school players. I went through and got certified to umpire baseball. For years down here, I umpired uh, youth baseball, high school AIA, high school varsity baseball, NC2A college baseball. Some of the uh, Gilbert uh, Mesa, I've done them. I've done, I've done MIT. They come out here for, for a tournament every winter. I've done their, I, I think sometimes these, John Hopkins has a team. Why in the world would a doctor who can make a half million dollars a year be out here playing baseball, taking a chance and breaking a finger? I have never figured that out. But what the doctor said about me did not seal my future. What God said about me sealed my future. And I walk as normal as anybody else walks. I can play sports. I can play basketball. I still jog. I work out. I do construction. I mean, God has restored my life. Why? Because I chose to believe. I chose to believe. If we receive Christ as Savior, once we receive Christ as Savior, you are sanctified. You are righteous. You have God's faith. You are prosperous and you are healed. And that's why Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he said, hey, look, you are, but you have to understand something. The devil isn't going to just let you walk through this life So therefore, when he tries to play mind games with you, when he tries to bring situations that make you feel like you're not, you've got to cast those down. Any argument that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God, you've got to cast it down. And that's what we're doing here today. This is healing service. Jared, come. This is healing service. And if you need prayer, I'm going to stand with you and believe. Because I know with God all things are possible. I have seen him time and time and time again turn the impossible into the miraculous. Yeah, Frank, let's not, let's not do that this morning. Nah, just... Yeah, that's... If you want prayer, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to declare the word of God over you. Because the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharper than any scalpel that any surgeon can wield. It can heal any situation. It can restore any lack. It can restore any brokenness. It can bring peace in the midst of turmoil. And so if you want prayer this morning, I invite you to come. I just want to Agree with you in prayer. Stand with you in this good fight of faith. But if you want prayer this morning, just get up from where you're at and come down here to the altar. I just want to pray with you. Blessed be the name of the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. 
If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.